Are you working? What kind of work do you do? Nice oh. choice, Ben. Mm-hmm. Putting in work. Number 24. Number 24. A little gang star for you folks, if you didn't know. Man. I like this one, Ben. Yeah, it's very, very similar vibe today with this one. I like it. You did your homework or something. I don't know. Your heart work. You did your heart work. That's right. Number 24. Best of Buzz podcast, Spotify, and everywhere else. Welcome, folks, to Albuquerque, New Mexico, no matter where you're listening from. Uh, where it's recreationally legal and it's medicinally legal to smoke marijuana, Ben. And so that's what we're it talking is. about usually yeah. on the regular. It is called Best of Buds. Uh, so we, we use cannabis as the pivot point for a number of things, whether that's like product reviews or judging for High Times Magazine. Um, yeah, we just wrapped that up. And they extended the... I saw that. Yeah, until like November. <laughs> and there's still kits available. So if you want to participate, go out and find a kit. They're still out there. I love it when like pothead things prove to be potheaded. You know, like it's just all cool. Yeah. We have a deadline and it's going to be August 31st and then... Or whatever it was. Yeah, it was August. The original one was August 20th. 20th. And they extended till November. 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 <laughs> Not even like two weeks. They're like, all right. Here's the deal, fools. <laughs> yeah, but there are kits available. I'm not sure which ones, but if you log on to High Times and check it out, there are lists of dispensaries that still have kits available. So yeah. get one. Look it up. Yeah. It's actually kind of fun. You know, like if you can sit at home and uh, enjoy yourself and, and, and do it responsibly, I would say. Like we, we did it. I, I'm proud of us, Ben. It was a lot. You I mean, were responsible. It really, it really was a lot of work, though. <laughs> It was though to like make sure that you documented all your preferences the right way. Twenty joints, boss. It was, yeah, it was more. We like put in work. We did. We put. We went in hard. It was. It was hard, but no, a killer deal. I got over. I think we got over twenty grams of weed for ninety nine bucks. There you go. Yep. And that's what we're talking about, right? Today is like kind of the commerce that is marijuana. The way that marijuana is creating cash flow, revenue, taxes. Um, a workforce that is generating all of that every day in number in a number of ways, not even just production, but retail sales. And somebody that knows a whole lot about that, Ben, is sitting right here to my left. I'm going to let her introduce herself because, Sarita, when, when I say your last name, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this because like, I hate it. I hate that my last name gets murdered by everybody that it, it comes out of their mouth. And then when I go to say your last name, I'm sure I murder it every time, and I feel horrible about it. So, Sarita, can you introduce yourself, and then also give us your title as it sits, and uh, yeah, anything you want to say about yourself. I don't think we need to get in in all formal on this at all, but go ahead, boss. Well, hi, I'm uh, Sarita Nair. It rhymes with fire. That's how I give it to remember. I'm the uh, cabinet secretary for the New Mexico Department of Workforce Solutions, which is basically the Department of Labor. And before that, um, I had the pleasure of working with you, Carlos, at the city of Albuquerque and uh, was a lawyer before that. The pleasure was all mine, boss. That's why you're sitting here. You know, like I actually I actually um, told somebody the other day that I think I could get the big guy in here. I'm going to try, Ben. I'm going to try and get the mayor to sit right here. You know, why not? Let's do it. I think we're going to try, you know, because if we can get Superwoman in the building, (laughs) The big guy's he's got to come now, you know, like 
in any event, yes, you were my boss and, and you're sitting here because I admire the hell out of you and uh, the work that you continue to do in this state. And so now we're talking about a new workforce in our state. And I was like, I was I was pretty happy as a pig and shit to think we had the right brains around this thing um, to sustain it because it's going to be a it's going to be a fight to sustain, I imagine. What do you think about that? Like, what what are your thoughts on the cannabis industry just in in a 10,000 foot view? Yeah. So, I mean, it's still a baby, right? I mean, uh, it's a year and and change old. Uh, And I think what we've seen is a a lot of horizontal expansion in the retail space and a little bit in the agricultural space. But I think the you know, as we move into the toddler years of the industry, it's it's really time to focus on vertical expansion and move into some of the places that even states with more mature industries have not yet gone. And that's where we can lead, uh, even though we're relatively new to recreational legalization. That's what's up. We can be no, innovative. Really cool. Yeah. Be innovative out the gate, mm-hmm. you know, like rapidly fire ideas and, and energy at something that's gonna do what it's gonna do i think like i i like the toddler and the baby analogy because i think we yeah we have to take care of it though you know like we think about it constantly from a consumer standpoint like it's a fun thing but like following the money of this fun thing is is the almost the more fun thing like if it's done right a lot of things should get really like better around our counties our city our state i would imagine Right. I mean, the tax revenue, the employment uh, opportunities. And then I think uh, there's a whole technology side to this industry that that we've only really scratched the surface of uh, in the state. So could we be the leader in sustainable uh, cannabis production? Could we be the leader leader in even sustainable packaging? There's a lot of lot of trash in the industry there is (laughs) a lot of packaging. That's something we talked about in the uh, the judging of these products. But yeah, totally agree with that. Yeah. And solar. Big advocate for solar, too. Solar, how can we use less water? Uh, how can we have less waste? How can we make sure our energy is coming from a, a renewable place? So I think that's one place that New Mexico could easily take the lead in the country and maybe even the world. That's awesome to hear. So in your day-to-day, Cerrito, how do you how do you touch cannabis? Like, I know that you're, you're, you're a Department of Labor head, um, and it's a growing industry, but is it is it a... You know, is it a buzzword around around your parts? Like, it, is it the thing, or is it just one of the tasks that that your job entails? I'm sure. But so, what's interesting is, um, you know, we're here on a Sunday night. I'm off the clock. Uh, we cannot use any federal dollars to support anything in the cannabis industry because mm. it's still illegal. It's still a Schedule One, Schedule one. narcotic. Uh. So, uh, for in terms of our training dollars and our ability to to work with businesses to do on the job training, we can't do any of that in mm. the industry. And then uh, there's also, you know, the second piece of that is that even our state funds, like the Job Training Incentive Program. Uh, that's limited where you cannot do it agriculture. So some of the some of the you know upstream pieces, um, even though we can work with uh, in that context with cannabis industries and help you train up accountants or people in your retail space when it comes to your growing space, uh, that money is not available either. So um, so not a lot in my day job, but we did uh, the back in April 
um, our, we have a department or a division that just does um, economic analysis uh, called so, the Economic Research and Analysis Bureau. And they did a report back in April about the cannabis industry workforce. And I, I think that I think I sent that to you. And that's yes, how you did. We got yeah, it. we have that. Somewhere. Yeah, we do. Yeah. We'll share like the snippets of it on on some of our. (laughs) We should have that right here. (laughs) Ben, Ben, you're failing, Ben. (laughs) Ben gets scared sometimes. I think, I I I sometimes scold Ben, Sarita. So, you know, he doesn't know if he was going to get scolded just there. It's okay, Ben. We weren't supposed to be prepared. I got it. But we did get that. Yeah, I think like so. Somewhere. So. Can you speak to? You shouldn't be prepared to speak to that. We don't even have it up. But like. I guess yeah. What what's the what's the the bird's eye view on that? So um, I I am prepared to talk Ooh. about it. Uh, I knew. So a couple things we found. Um, the first was something I mentioned. So there were at the end of calendar year twenty twenty two, there were one hundred and fifty one firms that were listed as being in the industry based on their industry classification codes, and about three quarters of them were in the the retail space and. Ooh. Uh, there were, you know, 21 in ag, 10 in manufacturing, and then a scattering in other places. So, um, like we, like we were just talking about, the the growth is very visible because it's in that retail space, and then yeah. all over the state, you hear people be like, "Oh, They're there's weed everywhere," corner. but really, it's just that retail space where we've really exploded. Which and, is kind of cool, though. You know, I think it's like, it's almost like a franchise. You know, like. <laughs> it's like getting a subway. You know what you're get you're going to walk through the door and get a sandwich. So if you're walking through the door of a dispensary, you know you're going to buy cannabis in some form, right? Like it's not a hard hard sell so to speak in terms of opening a business. I get it. Opening a business we talk about all the time here is very hard to do, but if you're going to shoot for something right now, it seems like a a decent sure shot. Well, yeah, it's a single purpose and it's a destination retail. I think is what they call it. So you're not, it's not that you stop by because you're driving by. You picked it out probably online and then you went to that place. I stopped by because I just see it. <laughs> <laughs> Ben's, Ben's, a, Ben's a man about town with the I'll, I'll the jump right in. But he I'm, does. I'm on a different level though. Yeah, he, he, he goes and buys the, the crazy things. He's, he's about the accoutrement. Hmm. Yeah, he's a. That's a whole other piece to it too. That probably shows up in the retail space, but I don't, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think there's there's levels of it, and that's what I find to be interesting. Like with the 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 you called it not vertical growth, but horizontal growth, right? Like of of the retail space. It's interesting to see everybody try and put their own shine on it. You know, like that's what I think is fun. Um, it's like the brewing industry. It's like the coffee industry. So I think Albuquerque just does small industry well. Um, and I think the rest of New Mexico do, will will do just fine too. You know, I think per per capita as a state, we have a shot to do cannabis really well. Yeah, I think so. I think when you go to other places like San Diego, for example, um, you see that one or two large retailers ended up gobbling up all the little ones. And so, um, like you were saying before, we got to take care of it if we want this to continue to be uh, a space that has a lot of small businesses, mom and pop shops, uh, where everything is locally sourced, then that's going to take um, intentionality. Go ahead. What ben. about out-of-state entities coming in and buying up dispensary businesses? You know, we don't see that piece of it in my department, and I don't have numbers on that, so I really can't speak to that. But the, I, they've definitely seen that in other states. Sure, yeah. sure. 
I guess as long as the amount of jobs kind of stay there, right? So are, are the right kind of jobs being created by the cannabis industry? Like, are they the ones that will actually kind of improve the economy and stuff like that? Well, it's interesting. So by the end of uh, 2022, we found 4,666 workers, again, in the based on classification code. And no surprise, 88% of them were in dispensaries. Um, and so, you know, I think one myth that we were able to dispel was that people were really afraid we were, that this industry was going to raid the service industries. And what we found, it kind of did. Well, you, you're on both sides of that, right? (laughs) Yeah. Ben, Ben felt the pinch a bit. But, you know, by the numbers, um, about a quarter of the people who were, you know, in that workforce were, had no wage records before that. So these are people actually coming off the bench to work in this industry, which we really need in New Mexico because we have the second lowest labor force participation rate in the state. So we need people who are not working or looking for work to decide to come in the, in the workforce. And this is an industry where that happened. And then about 40% were going from one marijuana firm to another. Mm-hmm. And then 35% were coming from other industries, and that included... Um, 8.4% from leisure and hospitality and about 15% of the people who came from other industries came from restaurants. So it was not that it didn't happen, but it was not the, the bulk of who was coming into the industry. And then, you know, as far as the wages, they're not higher than the economy overall. We found about a $560 weekly wage was average. Um, but they are consistently higher than accommodation and food service wages, which is why you see that out migration. So, um, you know, it's less than retail. Um, it's a little more than arts and recreation at 560. But what we also saw were that the individuals who came into that industry were getting huge pay bumps, about 100 bucks or so a mm-hmm. week. So I think that's, that's good. that speaks that's to great. the point of entry there of people who were coming from other industries. So, you know, I think um, that's the work profile so far. But as we do these go go farther into these other areas, I think we'll see more people um, with technological science backgrounds, with manufacturing production backgrounds, yep. and then food, um, food and agriculture backgrounds. Yeah, we had one of our first guests were the uh, those extracts guys. What is? Oh yeah, outlaw extracts. Outlaw right. extracts. Yeah. They had they were actually doing a pretty cool lab build where it was like this all self contained container. And they were doing what type of extraction? Were they doing the CO2 extraction? Yeah, CO2 stuff, yeah. Um, which I guess is is decently dangerous, but they were being set up correctly for it, which was cool to see, right? Like we got to see yeah. the sort of the, the manufacturing specs. side, you know? Uh, yeah, but that's cool because like, like you're talking about, I think um, those areas of cannabis need to grow now. So, um, and yeah, it'll be interesting. Do you, I, I wonder, does it ever go federally legal? Like, does this thing ever open the doors? I think it'll have to eventually. Yeah. I mean, it's... Because, like... I mean, isn't, like, 30-some where it's, like, medicinal or otherwise, right? Like, 30-some states? I think so. Yeah, and it's it's starting to fail on some ballot initiatives. So I did see, I think it was Arkansas that hmm. couldn't get it done on the ballot. So we may be close to the, to the equilibrium where everyone who's going to yeah. legalize recreational has... Um, Interesting, but I think there's a there's a different argument about states' rights that kind of goes in favor of taking it off schedule one because then you're leaving it to the states, which you know some 
branches. Some folks in, in politics like to say that they like that yeah. small well, government. And that would open up interstate commerce and everything, right? Like that would really, really, I mean, if we developed our foundation here in manufacturing and technology, that would really give us a springboard if that ever did occur, right? So right. there you go. That's why That'd I like cool. the yeah. C&M. C&M's got to be messing with this at this point. Yeah. Do I they? think they do. UNM yeah. has a cannabis curriculum, I want to say. But is that growing or probably growing in retail? I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, I don't know. We need to reach someone out to UNM. UNM yeah. Cannabis, get a hold of us. Yeah. Ring our bell. Ring our bell, as they would say. Who well, said it, that? Ring our bell. Oh, I know. I know this. I want to say Thelma Houston, but I don't know if that's right. Uh, I have no idea. I should not I'm ask not questions. I, I don't have on, the answers I to. I have it know? on here. I'll check. No, well, yeah, well, I got, I'll, I'll get the Googler to work on this. Get the Google, Ben. Go get the Google. Uh, Anita Ward. Anita Ward, folks. Yeah. There we go. There we go. But I think <laughs> another place we see this in like labor and, and employment law is um, in the area of drug testing. Mm. Uh, so, mm-hmm. and you guys might have talked about this on other podcasts, but... You know, there's basically four kinds of... Uh, there we go. Yeah. That's a good call. Just a little... I had to hear it. You had to hear it. You had to hear it. There we go. Four kinds. So drug, drug testing, you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good break from it the was. seriousness of it. Um, no, they, so there's like, you know, four basic types. There's pre-employment. There's random, and then there's post-accident, and then there's um, reasonable suspicion. They all are exactly what they sound like, right? And I, th- I think we see a lot of employers, um, especially for non-safety-sensitive positions, dropping the pre-employment screening and dropping the randoms. I mean, I remember when I was in, in my 20s, you had to take a drug, random drug test to work at Blockbuster Video, which is like... <laughs> You know, why wouldn't you be high smoking crack, <laughs> stealing videotapes? Right. It all lines up. But, uh, you know, you're never going to get to a place and you don't want to necessarily get to a place where you're not doing post-accident drug testing or reasonable suspicion, sure. which means, you know, someone thinks you came into work and you were. I think everyone can agree that something like that is reasonable. Right. You know, yeah, that's not crazy. But until the technology gets us to a place where we can test for impairment as opposed to just presence in the bloodstream, which can, depending on your metabolism, can stick in there for three, three months. Right. So as long until that technology moves forward, this is not you know, we're not really truly um, legalized recreational because it's still a barrier to employment in ways that it doesn't have to be and still be safe. Totally. Well, totally. the state had to remove that from their specific drug test protocol, right? I remember hearing about that. So all the state jobs out there that are like not like driving stuff yeah. and all that. At risk, like safety. But I mean, we still have it for this for <clears throat> post-accident, right? Yeah. So if you, or that if you come sense. in and you're impaired, you seem impaired and someone reports yep. you. So, so it, until there's that technology to say, now this person is actually impaired at the moment, um, that's something where if New Mexico could invent that, there's a huge market. There you go, Sandia Labs. Yeah. So old Jeff's stuck in the copy machine. Let's go get him down <laughs> in for a test. <laughs> He's been in the break room for a while, man. Yeah. <laughs> Just staring. Yeah, that's how it happens, folks. Don't get caught in the break room. Yeah, no, I mean, I, that would be crazy. That would be really cool to be on the cutting edge of saying, like, this is how we determine this in the workspace so that you can take away all these other barriers to, to hire and or improve workspaces to make sure people are doing what they should be doing 
in a land of recreational marijuana, right? Like, I think we talk about that a lot too. Like it is a podcast about, about cannabis, but like you have to use responsibly, you have to medicate or recreate in a way that works for you. Um, and, and it's, it's a thing for adults out there. So if you're listening to that, this you've subscribed and are an adult. So yeah, 21 and up, 21 and up out there. Crazy kids. Don't be getting to your parents. Hash dash. Used to I it. think my dog ate my stash the other day. Little Daisy. <laughs> and you'd never be able to tell That's with her because she's no, mellow anyway. She was just mellow. Mm. I just watched her for a while. But it was it was just it was a small amount, but I was like It's alright. Layla did the empty. same thing when she was a puppy. <laughs> oh. She, she, she Give him lots rent. of water. Give him lots of water. Good for the joints. Yeah, they took her to the vet because she didn't know what happened. <laughs> I didn't know what happened. <laughs> Your but dog then, was just but acting kind of weird. I had a sneaking suspicion, <laughs> but she already went to the vet. You had a sneaking su- suspicion when she walked over to the fridge. So Two legs. Was, <laughs> no, so Heather had Heather had the dog at work, and I guess she must have eaten it overnight or early that morning. And this is when Layla was a puppy, and and she, I guess she went to go like fetch her toy, and she like swerved and like hit like went right into some shelves. <laughs> So Equilibrium. She yeah, she was not good. Not good. So not Heather, good. not knowing that I had brought that home, went to the veterinarian's office and the vet. You probably got a stern talking to at the vet's office, I bet. Actually, the vet was one of the regulars at the bar at the time. <laughs> and so all that happened was my dog got the nickname of Stoney from there on out. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. yeah well, that was about it. Layla got a reputation that day. We all got a reputation that day. We're 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 adding to ours, boss, soon, in a, in, <laughs> in a, in a memorabilia way. Um, I let a cat out of the bag last week. We let it all the way out of the bag. No, ben. just hold on. Just hold Damn on. It's getting close, but it'll be very cool when we do talk about. It. Yeah, something cool is going to happen in the in the production space uh, for this podcast. So I I like the the manufacturing, the production, sort of the, we were talking about the packaging and sustainability and being a leader in sustainability. I think there's a huge space for that in our city, right? Like I think when you, when you look at the creative economy and the creatives that exist in said economy, the designers, the artists, the builders, the makers, like maybe there's a way to marry those um, spaces and, and lend to like something really cool. Right. Like so packaging that's designed in ways by artists that is, I don't know, repurposed, you know. So uh, I'm, I'm trying to throw some ideas out there so that people listening might take us up on on trying to create business out here in, in New Mexico. Yeah. Where's the gap that you see? Is there, yeah. something, is there a void that needs to be filled or where you were talking about how the industry can go vertical and expand? Where, where are those? Like, where should people be focusing? Like, is there a specific type of? or branch of the industry that? I think an, a real natural fit for New Mexico is is all things science and technology, because we're known for that, we're good at it, and I do, I'm a strong believer in that marriage of creative arts and science um, and what they can create. So I think whether wherever it is, um, whether it has to do with packaging or the agriculture, horticulture part of it, or um, the post, post-consumption, um, behavioral health and drug testing um anything that that gets into that sweet spot for us is it seems like a good idea what about like um you know like uh the the ins and outs of the the policy making and some of that stuff like are there people that are now 
going to focus on cannabis law and cannabis organizational structure for manufact like people that are going to come in and be CEOs or executive directors of these large situations like we Todd Stevens Todd Stevens new hire at the I guess that's the oversight agency yeah so like this dude's coming I Todd Stevens Mr. Stevens is coming from Colorado so I wonder like you know is there also going to be a push in the like kind of Anderson school to be a cannabis CEO kind of thing or a yeah I mean I think any industry that that reaches a certain sort of size tipping point is going to have specialists in all, everything back office right whether that's marketing or uh, accounting legal management we also talked about county commissioners that are now going to run on what they'll do with revenue hmm. you know because oh yeah we learned from Ben that uh, Ben Lewinger yeah that each county gets to choose what they do do with their own uh, proceeds, right? Yep, their own tax revenue. So, like, well, I, I'm I'm anxious to see who re- who's the first to come out and say this is this money's here and this is what I'll do with it, right? Because um, that means you. I mean, it sort of puts you in the pr- place of endorsing it, um, which I think that'll be interesting in the eastern part of the state how they embrace that. Yeah, yeah. Because you're having a bit of a green boom over there too. They're doing a lot. And does Clean politics and get younger in these areas because of it? Yeah, and the, it's the proximity to Texas, right? So Yeah. Yeah, so many things. So many things, boss. I mean, I, I was just fanboying for like a few weeks, right, Ben? That she was going to be sitting here. No, it was very cool. I mean, I, I like want to make sure I'm asking all this stuff. I know, there. because we have, yeah, we have a mind at our side here to... To really kind of dig into this thing, is there is, are there is there anything you came today to like thinking about that you wanted the state of New Mexico to know? It doesn't even have to be about cannabis. It could be about anything at all. I mean, we're we're just here to here to have a conversation. Wow. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, this question of um, how to get people who have who haven't been working or looking for a job to engage. I would love to hear what, what you guys think about that or if you know a lot of people who aren't, you know, formally employed and what it would take to get them. Because right now we have about a 38,000 person gap between the number of job postings and the number of people looking for work. So there, if everybody who is looking for work got a job tomorrow, we would still have 38,000 vacancies. Wow. And so, And that's know, just statewide job availabilities all industries like all okay all industries so it is it is kind of it's never been like this before right so it's a whole different set of challenges for our department one of which is how do we get people to move back to new mexico because we did lose about thirty thousand people in the past 10 years and and they were predominantly people who were working and then they had kids who are now getting to the age that they're they would be working and and so we lost all of them. So we got to bring them back, and and maybe cannabis is a part of that. Um, That's kind of cool. Free college is certainly a, a part of that. Yeah. yeah. What you're talking about, like brain drain, though, too. After they finish that free college, they go off to other states. Right. Well, maybe and yeah, maybe cannabis is the net that keeps them here, you know, or the 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 seed that welcomes them back, you know, like to mm-hmm. it's something new, something new to grow on. Um, that's that's crazy to hear. Those numbers are, are wild to me. I, w- I didn't so even know. 38,000 beyond like our just capacity as a population. Well, beyond the people who are working. So, oh, okay. you know, we have the, like I said, the, we have about the lowest labor participation, second lowest in the nation. So only about 57% of our people 
of working age, non-institutionalized population is um, either working or looking for work. Wow. And that's wow, compared that to is. the U.S. as a whole is about 64%. So it's it's an issue. And then is there a, what's the percentage or is there a way to tell how many of those people are then, are, is that the amount of people that are on unemployment as well? Like whatever that. I mean, it's all um, survey and sample based, so you can't like track it through to specific people. But yes, the people who are on unemployment are considered in the labor force because they're still looking. Man. So that kind of like shows why we sit on such a low level on all those, you know, like average income, you know. Yeah, it's pulling, pulling the curve down, right? Like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, but 57% of all the population or that can work. That's all that participates That's all huh? that are, yeah. So, I mean, there are people wow. with disabilities that, that disqualify them from working would sure. be in that other half, in that 43%. But I would love to hear what you guys think about what it would take to get people back to the, work. Back to work. Uh, besides, like, free child care, which, you know, the state is working on, the governor's been very committed to. But what... What are the intangibles? I'll, I'll chime in. You know, <laughs> you know, I'll chime in, Sarita. You can ask me what I think. Um, I, I would love to work remotely, like, and 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 it be an option that allows me to move into my workspace when needed, right? Like, I don't, I don't need to sit at home every day, all day, but like, I don't need to be at an office every day, all day either. So if I could come and go as, like, needed so many jobs would be more applicable to the lifestyle I need to live. And that, and that's just me not, and that's not me trying to be, I, it just, it just is, you know, like at this point, the schedule that I have as a co-parent, the things that I do with some of the free time that I do have, it's, it's restricting in a way that I'm just like, I, I am trying to find a job to fit a really hard peg. And if, a lot of these jobs that just require me to be in a cubicle would say, hey, take that computer and go home and come in when we need to see you. I could do probably 90% of those jobs, I think. You know, like, and I don't know. I, I, I think there is a huge frustration with the idea that a lot of businesses did send everyone home and then nobody wanted to come back into the office. So I get it. I get it. I also think some of that is just like being really hurt that you're paying for real estate that's empty at the at the very top you know like that's i think that's what it boils down to if we're gonna be real um so i don't think it's about seeds. lack of well i don't know what do you think do you think it, it, is it a lack of productivity did did from a workforce standpoint was there any study that was done on like what industry saw in, in work output when it went remote versus like i have not seen data on that that's an interesting question i've never looked for it, um, so I don't I don't know about that, but I do know that people lost some of their ability to coexist in common space just yeah. during that two years. <laughs> it didn't take long, and uh, you know we see that with our um, everyone I talk to, every employer I talk to is is struggling with just things that people used to you know the person in the next cubicle is drinking their water too loud kind of things. Uh, people just their their ability to to deal with just being around other people really took a hit during the pandemic. Mine did, man. I'm not even gonna lie. Mine definitely did. Um, I vibrate at a different like in a different way now, so I, I have to like mind that for sure. I don't know. And we never shut down. Yeah, we I never kept them going. Yeah, we <laughs> we masked up. We gloved up. We had. I mean, at one point it was crazy. We had people in face masks and stuff. Like it was. 
it got crazy, you know. Weird but, times. Weird yeah, times. But you know, but during that, even that shutdown, like restaurants stayed open to a certain capacity. You know, even to goes, even to goes were crazy busy. We were open for three hours a day, and people started like lining up beforehand, and then yeah, three hours going crazy. Then we shut down. But it was just, it was such a weird time. I mean, I think I think a lot of it has to do too. Like I look back to. It's like my grandfather's generation. He worked for McDonnell Douglas, GE out here, stuff like that. And it seemed like he had, you know, like like benefits on top of benefits. You know, he had retirement, mm. his stock options, and those, you know. Yeah, he was set. Over time. Yeah, Put set. in that work, you know. Set. You Put know? in that time. And I think a lot of that is lost, too. I think that loyalty to employers is lost with the loyalty to the workforce. Mm-hmm. And I just I think some of that coming back, some of that would be coming back, or some of that coming back, geez, would be great to see. But, but like not in the form of you know like useless benefits. I think direct compensation or, you know, stock. You know, let them get a little slice of the action. You yeah, know, I think I think something like that. I mean, there's, I mean, even even the businesses that are kind of service based, like the franchise national ones. I mean. They do a lot of revenue, they, and they make a lot of money in the state, and I think they do a disservice by the way they compensate a lot of their employees. I used to work for a lot of those companies, and it's just, it's tough. It's really tough. A lot of my, we pay really well comparatively now, and most of my cooks still have a second job. And that's just something that they need, uh, you know, because like you said. Make maybe they, meet. Yeah, well, they have, a lot of, they have a lot of family at home, or. Yeah. You know, something like that, it's a very common tale that they're you know, supporting six people, you know, that maybe someone documented and stuff like that. So it's just, it's, yeah, it's, it's hard. Just, it's a hustle, man. It's a hustle. Yeah. I, I think it, Albuquerque mirrors many like mid level cities, right? Like this isn't, mm-hmm. and New Mexico sort of, yeah, I mean, it's, our state sort of in a weird way is, 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 a misnomer because it's got such rural areas and then has like the density that it has here in Albuquerque is like an urban center. But I think we're a lot like we, we suffer the same things as the rest of the country. Like those industries are hard to work in and you find people that are overworked and underpaid all the time. Um, it's just, it's part of, part of trying to figure it out. Like I don't, those jobs are filled and we still need more people to do the work, I guess. You know, so so I, I bet it's tough though, like in your position, having to deal with like a liberal urban center and then everyone yeah. else approaching problems differently around the state and who are, you know, out in rural, more conservative areas. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure that, you know, having two different approaches to the same problem and there's not a lot of meeting in the middle anymore. So, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, first I got to say, I'm going to start quoting you on that parallel between loyalty to the, the employer and then loyalty to the workforce as a whole. It, it goes a, both ways, you really, know. I think that's you're on to something there, and I, I think there's a lot to that. But, um, you know, yes, you're right, especially when it comes to this question of why people aren't working. Um, there are definitely parts of the state or parts of, you know, sectors of the economy where uh, they just fully believe that it's people's overdependence on benefits um, that because we have you know so many people on Medicaid and social security disability and unemployment and, and so forth that that's what's causing people to be on the bench and uh, you know we're looking at some of that um, data now because I mean there's an actual answer to that as people felt you know as the pandemic rate lowered the eligibility limits or raised however you want to think about it made it easier to get Medicaid and SNAP yeah. and these things right so 
now as those uh, eligibility um, becomes restricted again, we're going to see whether having fewer benefits is going to force people back into the labor force. And we're we're looking at that data right now because it's just now happening. Um, But, uh, you know, hopefully with data, people will believe whatever the truth is. But right now it's just very, you know, it's just what you believe, right? And then there's other people who will blame it on generations. They could have got those numbers anyway. Right, <laughs> right, yeah. right, exactly. And then there's people who have this generational. I go to so many places, and I, st- I usually start my speech with, like, I do not tolerate millennial or generation C slander. My daughter is a, either the youngest millennial, millennial or the oldest Gen Z. And um, I just won't. I'm Gen X, and I know how they talked about us. I will not tolerate it, but you could not convince most of my We're audiences. We're 1984 babies. Yeah, yeah, I know. You're 10 yeah. years. I'm a 1974 yeah. baby, and my daughter's 1995, so we got the... Oh. Do we have the same birthday? Or is it you and Hakeem that have the same birthday? Yeah, Hakeem have oh, the same birthday. Oh, damn it. Yeah. 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 Shout out to Hakeem, though. Hakeem Bellamy. Shout out to Hakeem. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so people blame it on generational, and this generation doesn't have a work ethic, or this generation doesn't you know, care about living at home and and that kind of things and some of that is true but i also think we have to remember that this generation was taught to the test their whole lives yeah and so a lot of the soft skills that employers say people don't have well we stopped teaching them um we yep. stopped having career days we stopped having music we stopped having art we stopped having all the things that make you want to do something and yeah. so um we can we can the say cops will get called if you let your kids walk to school by themselves yeah yeah hmm. isn't that weird we did whatever we wanted all day long. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. That's the world I grew up in. It was fun. Mm-hmm. Bikes and band-aids. Not anymore, man. You know? Not yeah. anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, I, And I'm sure the state does a, a huge amount of outreach in terms of, of, you know, or trying to organize job fairs or being present at them. And, and I wonder what jumpstart to the job fair model could happen. Because I think, like, you know, it's it's got to be... I've never even gone to one because they're intimidating to me, to be honest. Like, I feel defeated walking in the door with, like, holding my resume in my hand. Like, what? what a job fair? Yeah. I, it, it's scary to me. And so, I don't know. I think, but if you could, like, walk into a job fair and, like, the first step was, like, filling out and creating your resume. And then the next step was, like, applying for jobs with people that fit that resume. And by, like, the third step, you're interviewing and you left with a job knowing that there are 38,000 jobs to be had, like it seems like you could invite employers and say, you have to hire today. You like, know what? You come I in the door and you have to hire 10 out of your 15 spots or you don't get another spot. Well, you know what? Going back to, hire. to your uh, question about like barriers to employment, I think losing the ability to go in and like ask a hiring manager, shake hands yeah. and make a first impression has really shut the door to a lot of people. You know, if you don't have internet access, you don't have a computer, you know, and you're just trying to do it on a phone. Yeah. No, it's it's hard. It's very it's very intimidating. And that way, I think it's really tough because you're going up against the algorithm, right? It's going to pull keywords and it's going to data farm your your resume rather than getting a first impression. I think that is really. I've never gotten a job I've applied for on a computer. Right, yeah, same here. But if I if I meet you face-to-face, we're doing business. Yeah. That's, and that's how it always goes. I've, and I've always believed that of myself. I've not gotten some jobs um, in my life as of late that I, like, interviewed for. That had never happened before. But, like, most of the time I'm like, if I get in the room, I have a chance, you know. But it's getting it's getting in the room, man. And, yeah, you're right, in, in the computer systems. Because now – and do you, 
all, all the institutions at the at the state of in the state of New Mexico now, like higher ed, when you apply, it goes into the system for like all of them. So I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, though. Like, you know, I mean, I I, I would like to see the the research done later on what the if it changed how people were hired or what the retention rates were or what, because you figure if you go in there bad once, now you're bad across all of them. Oh, so you're saying there's a system that takes in your profile and then people are putting feedback on a continuous basis like that? Yeah, like I think it's, I mean, you can use it to continue to apply to all of the college, like all these institutions, but it's one main database now. Hmm. It's, it's interesting. Like, it's like applying for a job on USA.gov. Right. Yeah. USA jobs, yeah. Yeah. Really just one database. Yeah. So I don't know. That's And that's a weird system too. Yeah. I bring wish, back I, I the, wish that was more clear. The in-person I think would be great, I, but but who knows? Well, so a couple things. So we can't, we don't do it all in one day, but I do want to put in a plug for the local workforce connection offices. We have um, 24 across the state and you can go in there. They will review your resume with you. They will actually call the employer that you're applying to and ask them what the interview questions are. And then they'll run a mock interview with you. They'll coach you, counsel you, help you with even dressing for success, all that stuff. So so we do that. It's not as streamlined, and I love your idea of being able to do that as like part of the job fair, but we haven't gotten there yet. But we do we do that, and a lot of states are contracting their in-person services, and we're, we're going the opposite, and, and the governor's been very clear about we need to be in these rural communities because of connectivity and alienation and all that stuff. But we just had a great job fair um, all over the state for Children, Youth, and Families Department, which is difficult to find very people. Very important, yeah. very important. And um, we had 570-some people. Nice. And um, they've already made over 120 offers. Oh, yeah. And it's exactly what you talked about. So even in the remote areas, people were working and in, walking into their local CYFD office. And then you get to see this is where I'd be working. This is this is the person I'd see when I walk in the door every morning. And then they got interviewed by people locally and in the central um, part of the department. And then they got the offers within some of them within 24 hours. And then some of them are doing backgrounds. And, and we're seeing a lot of success. We did one of those for Intel. Um, they had 900 jobs, and I don't even know how many people we had, but it was up at the Rio Rancho um, Convention 900 Center. 900 jobs at Intel. So, mm-hmm. what kind of like did that kind of cover the spectrum as far as what they needed? Like, you know, campus recruiter to production line to you know OSHA That's stuff. That's cool, man. And then this yesterday we had one for they had I think 300 engineering jobs. So it was a, engineers only. Um, rapid hire. So that's what we call them, rapid hire Yeah, events. rapid hire events. And so I'm going to ask about it. We talked about it earlier. Does Intel, is that like wait till you have an accident or is that kind of up front with Intel? <laughs> you know, that's <laughs> a great question. Asking for a friend. I do not know the answer to that. We're asking for a friend. Yeah. <laughs> but I, you know, I think you know, it's, just, it's, int- it's intimidating applying for some place like that where you know you're like, well, well, I'm, I'm not an idiot, but if they yeah. do, if they do, you know, inquire about this, I'm gonna feel like an idiot, you know. Just. Yeah. Well, damn, that's this is all great information, and so this is all available. What's what's a website folks can catch most of this kind of thing at? You can Google Department of Workforce Solutions. It's dws.state. You know all that. Um, and then jobs.state.nm.us is our is our jobs database. Uh, but I'd say, you and like know, every department needs some, some, right? Like everyone's looking for something. Yeah. Right. Right. Get on there and take a look. It might just might be your cup of tea. You never know. That's right. You never yeah. know. Looking for a change. Looking for looking to get back to work. Your parents will be proud. Get one of those state jobs within retirement. Yeah. 
get people back to work. Well, I think yeah, rapid rapid hire sounds sounds to me like. And if you ever ever think about doing it all in one day at like the convention center, I know a guy that would love to help you figure out an event like that. That would be cool. Yeah, we See just, how many people we did you can one back to work this, in one day. We did one for AFSCME that, that the city was a big part of over at their uh, thing on Pennsylvania cool. weeks ago. So, yeah, there's a lot of that going on. It's pretty successful. You know, the other thing we've had success with is for the Children, Youth, and Families Department, we had some employees come in and do just real short videos about why they care, why yeah. they work there, and what makes them go to work every day. And I think that's what we're seeing really draws in the people um, because people are like, oh, this is something I could actually care about and be loyal to and uh, make a difference every day. So I think that's another lesson that we're starting to learn about getting people back into the labor force. They got to care about it. Yeah. Tell them the stories behind the job. Get them connected emotionally. Mm-hmm. We got to care about each other. We care about you out there. We care about Sarita's time. We got to get Sarita out of here, Ben. You, you picking a... I'm just calling the lift. An so exit song here. here. There we go. That was quite the shift from the beginning to the end, Ben. Well, we had a little disco break in the That's middle. True. And then I feel we got a lot of useful information that is important for all of us. Dropping so, knowledge. Knowledge bomb. That's what we got. Dropping knowledge. Sweet was in here. She dropped a bomb on us today. Thank you for being here. Sweet and I are. Thanks for Sarita having me. Rhymes with fire. Yeah, thank you, boss. Best great. of Buds. Episode, Episode 24. 24. Thank you. <laughs>